Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. Turning to the Word of the Lord, we're reading from the first epistle to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1, one verse of scripture here, Paul is admonishing and exhorting this church with a very particular admonishment that is applicable to us today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1, he says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. He said, now we've taught you, we've instructed you of how you ought to walk and how you ought to please God. And he said, this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to abound more and more. And my subject this morning is those final words of Paul's admonishment, abound more and more. Would you help us now by lifting your voice and let's ask God for his strength today. Jesus, we're asking your Lord in the next little while for your help. We're asking your Lord for your enabling power. We're asking you, oh God, for your anointing. God, that we would be, dear God, relieved of that which you have placed in our spirit for this Sunday morning. Touch every heart and life, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Would you lift your hands and voices to the Lord one more time? And can we receive the word of the Lord with worship and praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord. Can we do it joyfully and cheerfully unto the Lord? Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. And you may be seated. God bless you today. The phrase Christian living is a very important phrase when it comes to the matter of our relationship with God. That particular phrase, Christian living, has a twofold meaning. One, It acknowledges a belief system, Christian, but it also is pointing toward a lifestyle in living. So when one speaks of Christian living, they're speaking of a belief system that is lived out in our everyday life. Now, what we find, and I'm sure you would agree with me today if you have taken uh, any type of, uh, of account and notice of the events of, of our world and our time, that, that we live in a progressive environment that is leaning further and further left in all aspects of, of life. And with this progressive mentality and this, this left-leaning thought, is that these two words, Christian living, we find them driven apart, separated by a great divide, one from the other. Now, this is what, if you've not 
just didn't pay attention to it, that, that, that this idea of Christian or Christianity has been reduced to a mere opinion instead of a conviction that is held. So when we speak of Christian or Christianity, it's no longer a system of beliefs, but rather it is now just simply an opinion that people may hold or think of or give thought to, but it's really not a, an eternal principle that is to guide our lives. And then when you look at this whole idea of lifestyle, this, this idea of living, it, it has become compartmentalized in that we have, we have pushed Christian or Christianity kind of over here in its, its little box. And then, then we have over here living or lifestyle and therefore these, this opinion that, that Christianity has been reduced to never comes in contact with our living or our lifestyle. So we now live in this philosophy of thought that one can hold Christian opinions and Christian ideas, Christian concepts without it ever affecting our lifestyle or affecting our living out of our daily lives. Now that's kind of where we are in time right now because there's a lot of folks that will say, well I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian and they will claim some form or mode of Christianity but yet that that. Christianity that is to be a life-driving force never affects the living of, of everyday life. It never affects lifestyle. And so this whole concept of Christian living is kind of gone out the window because Christianity has been divorced from it. The, the writer C.S. Lewis made this statement concerning Christian life when he said the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. And that this process goes very far inside one's private wishes, one's point of view are the things that, that have to be changed. In other words, that when one comes to a Christian experience, it's something that reaches down deep into their innermost being and changes them from the inside out, altering their life, altering what they do, altering how they live, altering their concepts in life, altering the way that they through this journey that we're in presently. This is what Paul is addressing in our text this morning. He's, he's addressing a church that is in this, this process of conversion. They, they're in this process of change. The, the Thessalonican church has, has come to know Christ. They've come to experience Christ. In fact, their conversion is a very traumatic it conversion. It, it, it is one that is filled with, 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 with a lot of color. You have to go back to the 17th chapter of the book of Acts to see the conversion of this church that Paul now writes to in Thessalonica. And when you read in that 17th chapter, you read of a you, you read of an animosity, you read of anger, uh, you read of a, a contempt that they had for the teachings of Paul. In fact, in the 17th chapter 
through the book of, of Acts, the, the people of Thessalonica has risen up in opposition to the preaching, the teaching, the instruction of the Apostle Paul. And it became so dramatic. And it became so forceful and the contention between him and the community became so great that he ended up leaving the, the, the Thessalonican people and he went to a neighboring city called Berea. And once he got there, the people from Thessalonica showed up in Berea and they stirred up no small conditions in that city as speaking against what Paul was talking about and it became so bad that they had to take Paul and, and, and move him out of harm's way send him off because of the opposition from the people at Thessalonica but evidently there came a conversion to this people and a church grows and Paul speaks of this conversion in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 11 and he kind of puts it in a little 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 nutshell a, a synopsis here of this conversion when he says in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 11 as ye know how we exhorted that ye would walk worthy of ye received the word of God that you heard of us and you became followers of the church of God. He said in spite of the anger, in spite of the opposition that you had to our message, he said somewhere or another the message got through to you. Somewhere the message came home and you embraced it and you became followers of the church of God. Now that's, that's a remarkable thing that takes place because when one gives their heart to God and they repent of their sins and they are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins and they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues, it produces a radical change on the inside of them and let me just pause to say this if your salvation hasn't produced a radical change you need to get a salvation that produces a radical change in your life if your salvation left you the way you've always been if your salvation didn't change your thinking if it didn't clean your tongue up if it didn't clean your mind up if it didn't clean your heart up if it didn't clean your lifestyle up you need to go find a salvation that changes you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet because I'm telling you this born again experience will affect a change on the inside of you. It'll make you walk different. It'll make you talk different. It'll make you act different. It'll make you conduct yourself in a different way when this salvation gets on the inside of you. Is anybody glad for a change that salvation will bring to your life? I'm glad for a change that it will bring in your life. I'm glad it puts new desires inside of my heart. I'm glad it puts new desires in my mind. I don't do what I used to do. I don't go where I used to go. I don't walk the path that I used to walk. I don't participate in what I used to participate in. I don't indulge myself in environments that are not conducive to my spiritual growth because there's been this change, radical change. A new nature has come inside of me. Paul describes it that an old man has died. He's passed away and I have 
put on a brand new man in Christ Jesus. That's the reason why one who has been a drunk, one who has been abusive to his family, one that has not been a provider for his home because of his drunkenness, he can give his heart to God. He can repent of his sins and those sins can be washed away in the waters of baptism. He can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he can become a brand new daddy. He can become a brand new husband and he can begin to treat that home with respect and value not because of some kind of step program but because of an experience and a change that has taken place in its life. It can take a woman who may not have been committed to that home may have been involved in all kinds of of illicit affairs that have brought themselves under the, the auspices and the curse of sin but when salvation has changed them it makes them a new mama and a new wife I'll tell you what our homes need our homes need a revival that radically changes us from our old nature into our new nature our homes needs a radical revival that alters the way we talk the way we live the way we conduct ourselves not just in the house of God but the way we live our life under the privacy of our roof the way we conduct ourselves in the lifestyle of business come on I'm preaching about a change that comes from the new birth somebody clap your hands and just shout a little bit to the Lord come on there's there's power does anybody believe there's power in salvation does anybody believe there's power in the new birth it will change your heart it will alter your life so Paul as he writes to them now in this Fourth chapter, 1 Thessalonians. He says, I want, you, I want you to understand in verse number 1. He says, I want you to understand. I want you to get it. I want you to understand what's going on. He said, I, I have beseeched you. I have, I have exhorted you by the Lord Jesus. How you ought to walk. How you ought to please God. He said, in my teachings and in my instructions, I have taught you the change that needs to come in your life. How it's going to make you a new creature. How it's going to change your aspirations. How it's going to change the way you view life. It's going to be a new prism that you're going to look through. You're going to see life with brand new color. It's going to change everything about you. He comes to this final admonishment. And he says, now this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to abound more and more. He said, this is what I want you to live. He said, I don't want you to live half-heartedly. I don't want you to live just on the edge and the fringe of Christianity. I don't want you just to live uh, on the edges uh, of righteousness, uh, just kind of on the, 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 the hem uh, of, of, of this, this thing called salvation. He said, in fact, he said, I want you to get in with both feet. I want you to get in with all your heart. I want you to get in with your whole mind. And I want you to abound. And I want you to do it more and more. Can I put it in Oklahoma English? He said, I want you to live for God like you've never lived for God. I want you to be plugged in like you've never been plugged in. He said, I want you to get connected like you've never got connected. He said, I want you to live intentional like you never have before. He said, I want you to get in with both feet, both hands, your whole body, your whole mind, everything you got on the inside of you and just really live for God. Does anybody believe 
believe that's the demand of the hour. That we just kind of get in and just really, really, really. Oh, I wish I had a little help now. Somebody just really, 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 really live for God. He uses, he uses this word abound in many of his writings. And you'll find it even in the book of Thessalonians. He, he will talk about abound in love. He'll talk about abound in hope. Talk about abound in grace. You talk about abound in mercy. But when he admonishes here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1, he doesn't put any of these virtues with it. He just says, Look, he said, I want you just to abound. I want you to become enthusiastic. I want you to become energetic. He said, I want you to get a little, little spring. I want you to get a little spring in your walk with God. I want you to get a little ump in it. I want you to get a little forcefulness behind it. And he said, I want you to abound in living like you have never lived before. In other words, casual Christianity is not what's needed in the 21st century. Sloppy Christianity is not what's needed in the 21st century. Just kind of Christianity that's kind of lived off of the cuff. It's not what's needed in the 21st century. But what's needed in the moment that we're living right now is an energetic and abounding. One that's got a leap in it. One that's got a walk in it. One that's got a little joy in it. One that's got a little spring in it. Ah, I love living for God. I love worshiping the Lord. Ah, I love praising God. I love being righteous and holy, standing out, being different. I love reflecting the glory of Christ. He said, come on, don't just kind of slide off on the side and don't just kind of slough off over here somewhere. He said, I want you to get a little abounding in your life and live for God with everything you got on the inside. Now that's, that's, not, that's not just Paul's doctrine. In fact, that concept of abounding, this concept of, of just really being plugged in, connected, just, just really, really finding yourself in this intentional lifestyle of living for God is something that's woven into the tapestry of divine expectation from the very beginning. Look at it with me now. When God brings a people out of the nation of Egypt, a people that was in bondage, a people that had lived their life under the taskmaster's whip, a people who had been bound for 430 years, a people whose homes were being torn and shredded apart, people whose lives were being broken up, their homes were being tossed into the Nile, the very life and existence was, was not even there. And God comes in and with a mighty hand leads them out. With a great hand. 
hand he breaks the stronghold of Pharaoh and the grip of the taskmasters and he brings them out and he is bringing them now through the wilderness on the way to the promised land and the great prophet Moses steps to the podium and he takes his sermon under the inspiration of God in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 5 and he says thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul and with all thy might he said let me tell you you've got a great deliverance let me tell you you've come a mighty long way let me tell you that you are not what you once were you are not but you are children of God you are not under the taskmaster's whip but you are under the peaceful yoke of God as he leads you and guides you he said now I tell you what I want you to live like God's the best thing that ever happened to you I want you to live for the Lord with all your heart all your mind all your soul and all of your strength in other words in the apostle Paul's words he said I want you to abound more and more than you ever have before. In other words, I want you to get real serious about living for God. I really do. I want you to get real serious about living for God. You know, I, I got a little hobby and something that I have enjoyed doing. Uh, it, it started many, many, many years ago. Uh, I don't even know how I got into it. It just happened. My wife and I uh, were pastoring in Illinois. There was a full basement underneath the parsonage there. And it just seemed to be the perfect place. And uh, I decided that I wanted to get into woodworking. And, um, and so uh, she began to buy me a few things. And, and uh, I set me up a little workbench down there. And I had a, got a router table. And got a router. And she bought me some saws. You know, for birthdays and Christmas and, and that kind of stuff, and just kind of begin to put together a little little collection. And uh, we moved from there, and I packed all that stuff up. And for 13 years, it stayed in boxes. 13 years, it stayed in boxes in my mom's attic, and uh, I, I I didn't have access to all of that. And uh, now, uh, you know, we, we've been here what 23 years, and uh, when I moved here 23 years ago, there were boxes that had never been open in 13 years. And, and, and just in the pace of coming and getting adjusted, some of those boxes went in a shed that we had outside the house at that time. And for several years, the router table was never unboxed. And the router was never unboxed. And the belt sander and all of the tools, they never was unboxed. In fact, that, that shed that had a work table already in it, um, it became a storage center that uh, you probably couldn't have got in there to do anything anyway. But now I've got a hobby of woodworking. I enjoy it. I like doing that. Now I've got a, I've got a little area in the back of my garage that's, that I've got a little work table built. And uh, that router table, it's, it's unboxed. It is. It sits over in the right-hand corner of that work table. But it has never been used in 35 years. The 13 years it was boxed up, and the 23 years I've been here, it has never, ever. Now, I have this little hobby called woodworking that I enjoy doing. 
And, and the belt sander, the belt sander, um, I put it out with the uh, fall pickup, I think, a year, year or two ago. Uh, and I saw somebody come by and rummage through and pick it up. It didn't work. It, it fed too long. It was froze up. It, it didn't work, but he thought it did, and he picked it up. But now I like woodwork, and I really enjoy, I really enjoy woodworking. Um, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got several tools. Um, I've got back right at the head of those steps up there. Uh, we're, we're winding up remodeling the youth room. Is, is a whole parcel of tools. Uh, that uh, have got used over the last few months in that process. Uh, but they'll probably go back in the boxes and all that kind of stuff. Now, but now, I like woodworking. I, I really do. It's a hobby. It's kind of relaxing. I enjoy, I enjoy doing that, that, that kind of thing. But does, does anybody get where I'm going? Does anybody understand what's going on? We got Christianity as a hobby. We got Christianity. You know, I just, I kind of, I mean, it's kind of on the side over here, but we don't ever visit it. And, and we kind of got Christianity as, as this, 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 this little thing that, you know, is kind of tucked away back over there. It's, it's from some days gone by. It's back up there in a box someplace. But now I, I, I like, I like, Brother Bo, I was in your garage sometime back. You like lifting weights, don't you? I saw them. I saw them. It was a, it was a, it was a workbench, a, 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 a weightlifting bench in there, wasn't it? And my good, massive. My, I mean, this is one strong guy right here. I mean, he, he works. But I think he told me that he don't get out there very often. But he's a weightlifter. Okay? Now, we kind of we we do that with Christianity, do we not? We kind of get it over here at the side. And it, it's kind of tucked away. And it, it, it's back over here in boxes. And we, we, we still, one day I'm going to get back to it. One day I'm really going to really get involved in it. But it, it's not that I've abandoned it. It's still on the shelf. It's not I've walked away. Paul said, would you get it unpacked? Would you get it off the shelf? Would you get it out from behind all the stuff? And would you bring it out in the front? And would you just abound? Would you just immerse yourself in it? And get in it with everything you got. Instead of it just being a sideline thing that you occasionally visit. Why don't you just get involved in living for God? That's what Jesus he pulls out when he's asked what is the, the greatest commandment and he reaches back to the prophet Moses and he, he pulls this out in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 29 and he says the first of all the commandments is here O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the, the first commandment and, and so Jesus comes along and he said I want you to know it still hasn't changed. This, this little this little thing in the tapestry of, of, of Christianity and living for God it's still there that if you're really going to get out of it uh, what you need to get out of it you just got to get in with both feet I hear a call from the prophet uh, that says it's time to get out of ankle deep water and it's time to get in, in knee deep water and it's time to get out of knee deep and it's time to get in loin deep and it's time to get out of loin deep and it's time to get in waters uh, to swim in uh, because I'm telling you there's excitement in living for God when you just get in with everything you got. You know what? You and I, we're looking for comfortable living. Jesus is looking for complete living. We're looking for 
easy living. Jesus is looking for living that involves everything that we've got. That we literally become zealous of good works. Give everything that we have in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I really want to live for God. Now, if you're not careful, what can happen is this. Is that we can kind of hang around the doors of Christianity. And really never get into this abounding mode where we're really just energetic and we're just excelling and we're just really committing ourselves. In fact, if you look at the churches in the book of Revelation, you find that the message that was given to these churches was these that kind of laid at the door of Christianity, but they really was not in with everything that they had. Ephesus has lost her first love. Now she's still called a church, but she's lost her first love. She was not abounding. Sardis has a reputation of being alive, but she is really dead. And yet she's still associated with the church, Laodicea, has got a, uh, a reputation of being lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Does anybody know what you do when you go to get in the shower? I mean, you sit and you work for several minutes. You don't want it too hot and you don't want it too cold. You want it just somewhere in between because your, your flesh likes average. Your flesh doesn't like extreme. When you, when you, when you sometimes travel overseas, you don't, you don't get hot showers. And, and they, they don't have hot water in some of the areas where I go. And you just kind of got to dive in, hold your breath, and, uh, and, uh, and, and let the water do its work. Uh, because it's cold. But if I have my way, I, 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 want, it, I want it just right. I want it somewhere in between and, and the Lord says I tell you what I'd rather you was cold or hot because God wants extremes he doesn't wasn't want anything average he doesn't want anything in between he wants us to abound in the things of God oh I'm telling you what God's looking for in this last day he's looking for somebody that knows how to be a red hot Christian for the Lord that's on fire I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire I said, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Anybody on this left-hand side? I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Anybody in this middle? I wish some all come on on this right-hand side. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. We got to abound. We got to abound. We got to abound. You know, you read, you read this wonderful little story of transition. In the third chapter of the book of Acts, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderfully positioned story that is following the, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost at the day of Pentecost. And now this is the first involvement after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost of, of the church. And Peter and John is pictured in that third chapter of the book of Acts. And they are pictured coming to the temple at the hour of prayer and at that temple door is laying a lame man who has now been laying there for over 40 years they've brought him daily and laid him at the door of the temple now this is what I believe it's a wonderful story it's a remarkable story it's a story of the, the first miracle that took place 
But I really believe that it has far deeper meaning to it than just this little deal of Peter and John approaching this lame man and saying, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I really believe it's a transitional story that, that is, is deliberately and on purpose placed there because I believe that lame man is a picture of the nation of Israel that has been laying at the doors of her religion for years but was crippled was lame and had never found a way to actually enter in to the things of God had never found a way to actually enter in and embrace all that God wanted to do for her she was crippled and she came to the door and religion now becomes something that serves her instead of something that she serves. Religion becomes something that she gets something out of but instead of something that she is investing herself into. She has never learned to walk in her worship with God. She's never learned to leap. She's never learned to abound. She's been crippled now for over 40 years. She's laying at the door. She's at proximity but she is not in. She has never walked in. She's never leaped. She has never walked. I believe that it may be very well a picture of the hour that we are in right now where Christianity has become crippled and we are laying at the door and the threshold of the church and we're laying at the door of some of the greatest things God wants to do in our life. Some of the greatest things God wants to pour out in our homes and in our families but we've become crippled. Our faith has become crippled. We've become crippled by, by years of, 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 of thinking and thought and tradition that has twisted our concept of what it really means to live for God. And we've become crippled by a society that has become content with us just being door worshipers. Just people that come and sit on the outside and we become crippled with our societal thoughts and concepts of, of what it means to be a Christian and we've become crippled with our, our own lack of interest and our own lack of devotion and we've become happy with religion just serving us, religion just benefiting us without us really ever really plugging ourselves into it. I'm telling you God wants to deliver us from our state of crippledness where we're sitting on the outside and in these final moments that we're living in right now. I believe God is wanting us to start to enter in into some dimensions of God that we've been on the outside of. I'm telling you on the other side of that door is a holy place. On the other side of that door we're lying outside of is a place where the glory and the presence and the power and the might of God falls so forcefully on the other side of that door is a place where lives are changed and hearts are altered and I can't afford to sit on the outside when God wants me to go in and become part of something that is absolutely amazing you see what makes this so 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 vital and so important is is simply this is is because that Paul puts this all in context in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
In verse number 1, he puts it in context. He writes in the fifth chapter, the very next chapter, verse number 1. He says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. He said, now, he said, the reason I need you to get plugged in and the reason I need you to not just be at the threshold and the reason I need you to not just be in a crippled state, crippled Christianity, that's, that's, that's a horrible way to live for God. That's a horrible way to live for God, to have to, to be carried, to always have to be pushed and, and, and promoted and, 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 and placed. And that, that's a horrible way to live for God. That's a horrible way to experience Christianity out Outside the doors, and Paul said, Let me tell you where we're at right now. He said, We are in the seasons of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are at the very precipice of the catching away and of the bride. And you know perfectly well, he said, that the day of the Lord is coming as a thief in a night. In other words, he said, If there was ever a time to abound, it's right now. If there was ever a time to get in with both feet, it's right now. If there was ever a time to get yourself plugged in and begin walking and leaping and praising and worshiping God. It's at the moment that we're living right now because the coming of the Lord. Come on, I'm telling you, these times that are upon us, you can get upset about them if you want to. You can get angry if you want to. I'm telling you what they're pointing to. They're pointing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. My eyes are not on Washington. My eyes are on the eastern sky. My eyes are not on the government and all of its process my eyes are on the one I've been living for the one I've been serving the one I've been walking with the one I've been fellowshipping with I can't stay at the door I can't stay at the door I can't stay at the door I gotta abound gotta get in gotta get in with everything I got I gotta get in with everything I got gotta get in with everything I got Paul he says it like this in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6, he said, let us, not, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He said, abound. This is not the hour for sleep and worldly drunkenness. This is not the hour for just being on the edge and the fringe. This is not the hour for being at the threshold. He said, this is the hour for somebody. He said, I've taught you how to walk. I've taught you how to live. I've taught you how you ought to conduct yourself. He said, now abound. Do it more and more. Get more fervent about it. Get more energetic about it. Apply yourself in a greater way than you've ever applied yourself before. And don't find yourself asleep and tottering around in this moment in crisis that we're in right now. Because I can't afford, can't afford to do it. Now this is what I believe. This, I, and, and I believe we're here prophetically. I believe we're here prophetically right now. I believe we're here strategically in the coming of the Lord. Because remember that story in Acts chapter 3? I don't think it's just a story, the first miracle. I really think it has some really underpinnings there of the nation of Israel that's been laying at the door crippled and she's never got in she's never found out 
what the high priest can really do. She's never found out what takes place at the altar, the laver and the candlestick. She's never got there. She's just in service mentality. Whatever religion can give me and provide for me. And here comes Peter and John. She's got her cup out. She's got her cup out. Alms. What can you give me? What can you do for me? I'm at the church now. What are you going to do for me? How, how's this going to benefit me? How's this going to help me? She's got her cup out. Peter said, let me tell you. This is a strategic moment. Things are turning right here. Things are altering. You can't afford to sit on the outside of this any longer. He said, I can't offer you anything that I can do for you. He said, I don't have that. He said, but I can loose you from your crippled state. I can loose you from that thing that's kept you from leaping and walking, abounding. I can loose you from that thing that, that has held you tethered to the threshold of the church but never really entering in he said look on me now look on me now look on me silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and it was not just it was not just just one lone man but I believe strategically and prophetically God was trying to unleash a nation he was trying to turn them from their traditions that held them shackled and bound at the door of religion that they had never rejoiced in and he reaches out and he takes him by the hand and he says rise take up thy bed and walk and for the very first time for the very first time He's been at the door But he's never abounded For the very first time He's laid on the threshold But he's never really been able to rejoice about it For the very first time He's been right there in proximity But he's really never got in And suddenly something started Way down in his ankle bones And started moving upward Till he started walking And leaping And praising God And the Bible says I said the Bible says that he entered in that he entered in that he entered in that he entered in walking and leaping and praising God I'm telling you God is wanting to loose us on this Sunday morning so that we enter in to the blessings and the joy and the goodness and the greatness of God would somebody stand with me right now and can we let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on this building at this precise moment until something happens from the sole of our feet to the top of our head and somebody decides I'm ready to enter into that which I've been standing on the outside ah, hallelujah. you have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma we are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue Norman, Oklahoma 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night.
For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.